When your friends and family are maybe down on one of your ideas, it's typically not from a place because they think you're stupid or they think your idea won't work. Um, it's usually just comes from a place of love. And that's what happened for me. You know, my friends and family were a little bit worried um, that this thing wasn't going to work out or that it wasn't going to you know, go the way I imagined it. Um, but really, they just wanted me to have health insurance and to be safe and to, you know, have money to pay rent and things like that. Um, so if I'm completely fair, not everybody thought it was a brilliant idea. And in fact, most did not think it was a good idea. Um, but now I, I have turned quite a few of them. That's founder and entrepreneur of Time Slippers, Ryan Doherty, going from career change and a nine to five job to a business of exponential growth. Ryan's high performance relaxation footwear defines what it means when relaxing with purpose. One mindset that you can use is the time is going to pass anyways. So if you're not happy now and you're worried about where you you know where you're going to be in in 5 or 10 years, the time is going to pass anyway. So you might as well take it betting on yourself, risking, you know, your your future on something that you actually want to do and try to in each episode of this podcast, David and I will interview guests who have faced adversity in their personal and professional lives and find out what mindset they employed to triumph. Now, we seek the truth through real-life encounters and candid conversations with thought-provoking guests ranging from all walks of life. Here, you will find how today's thought leaders in their industries face immense challenges and adversities with captivating stories ending in personal triumph and ultimate success. I'm Bob Bianchi. At the Bianchi Law Group, LLC, we are a team of former prosecutors who fight the government when they charge our clients with crimes. Our entire legal team is made up of former prosecutors. Weekly and even daily, our attorneys are asked to be media analysts on nationally syndicated TV news shows. We take our three core principles of courage, compassion, and commitment to broadcast every day. You may have seen us on Fox News, One America News, Court TV, Long Crime Network, CNN, and Newsmax, just to mention a few as we are being asked to decipher the truth on today's most coveted court cases. In each episode of this podcast, David and I will interview guests who have faced adversity in their personal and professional lives and find out what mindset they employed to triumph. Now, we seek the truth through real-life encounters and candid conversations with thought-provoking guests ranging from all walks of life. Here, you will find how today's thought leaders in their industries face immense challenges and adversities with captivating stories, ending in personal triumph and ultimate success. We sat down with Ryan, how he deals with failure, life hacks, and what gives him energy in the face of adversity. All being brought to you on Nothing But The Truth podcast. Ryan Doherty is founder and owner of Time Slippers, who turned a Kickstarter and single idea into a wildly popular cult revered brand where sneakers meet slippers. We began our conversation by asking Ryan what he meant when he was quoted in saying, do the hardest thing first. It's probably the hardest thing for a reason. It needs to get done. And what led to his life-altering decision in starting a company? So yeah, basically, you know, I graduated in the middle of the recession in 2008 from college and the job market wasn't amazing. Um, and so I wasn't sure, you know, exactly how that was going to play out. I ended up getting a job nine to five sitting in a cubicle and uh, I didn't love it. Um, so it wasn't really my speed, but I did end up um, quitting that job and just starting landscaping um, because it was 
again, that was a hard thing for me because I couldn't do the nine to five in the cubicle, but the landscaping was, you know, obviously not glorious, especially having a, a you know, grad degree. Um, but I ended up doing it anyways, because I thought it was, you know, a step in the right direction. And at least I was moving away from things I didn't want to do anymore. Um, so I ended up landscaping for, you know, quite a while. Um, and that is actually how I, I fell into uh, Time Slippers. One of the owners of the landscaping company that I was working for uh, and I were, were plowing snow one night and we were talking ideas and uh, we ended up talking about my slipper idea and he loved it and he ended up becoming an early investor. So um, I kind of went from, you know, not knowing what I wanted to do, not being happy with what I was doing and my current options to, um, you know, just changing it up and looking for something different and, and finding an opportunity that I jumped on. Yeah, so that, that, that's really interesting to me, Dave, because it's, what you did was what very few people have the courage to do is to walk away from <clears throat> the financial security of a job you don't like to do something maybe you're not happy with doing, but it's kind of giving you that opportunity to breathe and think and come up with ideas. And you came up with this idea. Talk to us about what it's like, though, to start a business, because you've got to have a lot of courage to, to do what you did to leave your job and then to start your own startup company, which is really a blowing up from what I understand. Yeah, thank you. So yeah, you either need to have a ton of courage or need to be incredibly stupid. I had a little bit of both of those things, I think. Um, no, but you know, you don't know really what you're getting into at first. Um, but really, it's just kind of, I had to do my own thing. Um, and, and really just living, you know, someone else's life is what it felt like I was doing. Um, and so it was scary. It was really scary to leave that job. Um, and I didn't really have an amazing plan. But I knew that what I was doing um, was kind of just hurting me, was sucking my soul out of my body. And, uh, and it was just something I, I wasn't going to let myself do. It just felt like there was, um, you know, something bigger that I could be moving towards and something that I should be doing. Um, and I just didn't feel like I was on the right track. So really when you're on the wrong track, any path is, is better than, than the one that you're sticking on. If you know that you're not on the right one. Before we get to Dave's question, I got to ask you, when you decided to make this move, what did your family and friends think about it when you were leaving the comfort of a, of a good job to become a landscaper as you were kind of figuring out what you wanted to do? And now what do they think? <laughs> right, right, right. So, yeah, um, yeah, the, the family was a little bit freaked out for sure because, you know, and they're not, you know, they're, when your friends and family are maybe down on one of your ideas, it's typically not from a place because they think you're stupid or they think your idea won't work. Um, it's usually just comes from a place of love. And that's what happened for me. You know, my friends and family were a little bit worried um, that this thing wasn't going to work out or that it wasn't going to, you know, go the way I imagined it. Um, but really, they just wanted me to have health insurance and to be safe and to, you know, have money to, to pay rent and things like that. Um, so if I'm completely fair, not everybody thought it was a brilliant idea. And in fact, most did not think it was a good idea. Um, but now I, I have turned quite a few of them. You know, Dave, I bet you there's a lot of listeners out there that are in his exact position that are like, I feel like I'm chained. We know a lot of lawyers with sometimes bigger firms that feel like I'm stuck. I don't like what I'm doing. I got to get out. But they find it hard to have that courage to make that jump, Dave. Yeah, sure. I mean, Ryan, I think a lot of people can relate to having an idea, right? I mean, I, I get ideas all the time. I talk to Bob, hey, Bob, this, let's go in this direction. And it's one thing to have an idea. But you actually moved forward on an idea and you developed a company from it. You have a brand, you have a product, you're selling things. You have actually went operational on an idea. 
So tell our viewers and our listeners here, how do you go from idea to execution? Yeah, so I think most of it uh, revolves around just having passion for the idea and really believing in it and loving it. Um, also, um, one thing that that is kind of a very practical um, bit of advice is that you have to have some skin in the game. Like once there's money involved, I raised money from from you know this, uh, this my landscaping boss I told you about. Um, so now all of a sudden we have some money, and it, a it feels really real, but b then there's there's a little bit of um, you know, something you have to do. You have to get things done now. You have somebody else's money. You got to now. Now it's like, okay, we got to get something going because I owe people money and something's got to come of this. Um, you know, that combined with the fact that it's my idea and I'm kind of living on my own terms, there's something that was really important to me. And the fact that I really believed in the product and the ability to make this thing come to life kind of just gave me, you know, extra energy when, when, you know, I might not have had it otherwise. Um, it, you know, if, but what was the creative concept? What what made you different? I mean, it's somebody could say it's a shoe product. It's a what is it exactly that was the unique aspect of your product? Yeah, so time slippers are basically slippers that look like sneakers. Um, they, you know, a lot of people wear UGGs out outside, um, and people wear you know LL Bean slippers when they go to the store to walk the dog or something like that. Um, and I was one of those people, and I always loved basketball sneakers and casual sneakers. Um, and I was, you know, I would wear, you know, to 8am classes at in school, like some college kids do, um, you know, pajama bottoms and moccasins, and you look like a hobbit, and it's ridiculous. But um, they're super comfortable. And I always loved how they felt, but I didn't like how they looked. And I always thought, why can't you just make something that looks cooler that looks like a casual sneaker or a basketball sneaker out of these same materials that that the moccasins are made out of? And that was kind of the idea. That was like the the, the kernel there that that everything was based on. Um, and I just kind of kept just looking for the answer to that. And and why can't you do that? Why aren't people doing that? And at every turn, I expected Nike or Adidas to show up with the exact product that I was thinking of, but they never did. And so you know, it was even years. I had been thinking of that idea for years before I actually was like, okay, nobody else is going to do it. I think this is something I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah, to go operational. I mean, was there a business plan that you had to put together, a marketing plan? How do you get from the idea to what we see now behind you, which is a real live product with a real live brand doing well in business? Yeah, so I take a non-traditional approach to that. Um, I don't believe that business plans are super important. I don't believe that you need to have everything um, thought out in advance. To be fair, that's probably more my personality type. I do kind of tend to wing it more than plan every little bit out. Um, but I think you can just start moving, just start walking, right? It's like if you're, if you're lost in anything, take a small step forward and, and see what happens. Um, and that's kind of what I did. I would walk into a leather shop, you know, and, and there was a woman working there um, and she was really nice and she was you know, she obviously loved leather. She owned a leather shop and, and she told me about, you know, how to make footwear and the part of the process and the molds, the lasts, everything that kind of goes into it. Um, and that was, you know, a little piece of the puzzle. And then, you know, I learned something from that and then I would, you know, research it, go home, Google things, you know, and just keep researching and studying it. And really it was, it, it wasn't a formal education, but I was studying. I was really figuring out everything. And, I just did that for every aspect of the business. I did it for the for how to make the footwear, 
Um, I did it for marketing. I did it for Facebook ads. I did it for design. I did it for photography. You know, I, I, I did a lot at the beginning. Um, and really you can, you can do a lot if you just have, you know, you know, you really want to go for it and you really just, just decide I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to figure out everything I need to figure out, um, without spending money. Um, at the beginning, and you can do a lot with sweat equity. Yeah, Ryan. You know, when you do something that way, uh, did you have any help? Uh, and my other question is: there had to be times where you felt either burned out, or maybe this isn't right, or maybe I made a mistake. Did you ever feel that way? And how did your mindset? How did you overcome that? For sure. Yeah. So um, there were definitely times. I mean, there still are times where where things. You know, being an entrepreneur can be brutal, and that's one of the one of the things that you don't know getting into it that allows you to kind of, you know, have that naivety that, that allows you to, to do something like that. Um, but really, you know, there were, there were times when I would wake up, you know, pouring sweat at four o'clock in the morning, just not knowing what, how I was going to solve a particular problem and a big problem, you know, like our factory, there was a problem with the factory and now we have to find a new one. Um, that happened early on at the beginning. Um, the financial problems, we have to raise money. Um, you know, we're running out of payroll, stuff like that. Like the, the, the classic things that, that everybody really has. Um, so yeah, basically there's, there were a lot of those and, um, I, you know, I would just try to start working. I would just, I would just get to work. I woke up at four in the morning and instead of going back to trying to go back to sleep, um, I just got on the computer and started looking for new factories, looking for manufacturing and doing all sorts of, uh, small steps that could get me in the right direction. Well, that, that is unbelievable. Uh, Dave, we're, we're dealing with Time Slippers, which was an unbelievable product. Uh, what, an, what an amazing success story. Made the big to jump, Dave. He had a, a good job. He got a graduate, and he was doing a thing. He was in the cubicle, but he couldn't take it, so he went and did landscaping while he was going to come up with his brilliant idea. Starts this company, uh, was worried about competitors like Nike and stuff coming in, but they didn't, and now his business is exploding. But Dave, uh, you, you, were, you were just talking before we took the break about a part of his daily routine. I think you have more questions on that. Yeah, let's talk about routine because uh, prior to the break, you talked about waking up early. And sometimes it's, it's uh, because you're worrying and thinking about problems and things like that. And, and you know, it's, it's one of the things that, that I've done in my life. I, I want to wake up early as well. I want to do the priorities. It's called eat the frog. It's a, it's a concept that I follow. Talk about your mornings, all right? How, how early do you get up? How do you prioritize? What does Ryan's morning look like? Sure. So, you know, owning my own business, um, I don't always have to get up at the crack of dawn. If there's something important, obviously I will. Um, but yeah, typically I, I get up um, and uh, the first thing I do is I just drink a ton of water. I think it's super important to be uh, healthy and to stay hydrated. And, you know, doing that, one of the first things... Um, is great. It's just a great way to to start the day, and you know most people don't drink enough water, so I think it's uh, it's huge. So um, so that's uh, that's the one of the first things I do, and then you know obviously brushing the teeth, getting you know cleaning the face, getting ready for the day. Um, you know coffee, walk the dog. Um, I do like to meditate. I do like to exercise. Um, these are things that I have to fit into my routine. You know otherwise I feel like you start to honestly you can you can do a lot with meditation and exercise. Um, it can really allow you to absorb more stress um, and to, you know, get things done more efficiently and, and honestly without being stressed. Um, and, and that's just such a huge part of, 
of doing something that's as intensive as starting a business. Um, and that's, you know, something that I want to be doing for a long time. I don't want to just burn out. Um, even though I have in the past had periods of burnout, I think everybody has, but, um, you know, cause I really want to be doing this for a long time and to, to be able to go that long, I think something as simple as, as chugging two pints of water in the morning, um, exercising and meditation, you know, things that, that people all know, but, um, it's hard to do sometimes. And, uh, but yeah, I find that to be really important and uh, really rewarding. Talk to me about this secret life hack, all right? When you walk your dog at night, is there something special that happens on those evenings? How do you reflect and what's the thought? For sure, absolutely. So um, when I walk my dog on, on clear nights, I'll typically go outside. It's even better if it's cold because the stars are a little bit clearer, they seem, and there's something nostalgic about that. But I look up at the stars and just think about the, the massiveness of the universe and how it's just so enormous. And there's so many, you know, there's a, there are many galaxies as there are, you know, grains of sand on Earth. To think about something that huge, um, it kind of puts your problems in perspective um, and puts, you know, your whole life in perspective. And you start to think about things a little bit differently. When you think about you know, debt that you might have, or, you know, problems with your significant other that you might be having, or, you know, something, some things that just aren't that big of an issue. And you're looking at the size of the universe. It just doesn't really matter. Um, and what does matter kind of comes to the surface in, in those moments. Um, and that can be a meditative practice too, just looking at the stars and thinking about, you know, your life. Um, and to have, to have that kind of perspective you know, every night and as you go in and try to live your life, like is, you know, it's kind of, I pose it as a challenge to some people and I don't, I don't want to attack anybody's way of life because there's a million ways to, to do it. But um, if you do look at the stars, you can kind of think about, you know, is, is this the life you want to be living? Are you doing right now what you would want to be doing if you were at the end of your life looking back? Um, and I think that's really powerful. Ryan, I, I, um, I have found most of the great thought leaders and uh, great successful people have this kind of perspective. And when I was the Morris County prosecutor, I used to say, and I, and I say all the time when I lecture, you know, you live your life like it's your first day and your last day. The first day where everything is new and fresh and exciting. And what do you want to be saying on the last day on your deathbed? Are you, are you going to define yourself by, I should have done this, I should have done that, I didn't do this? So I, I want to go a little bit more into your, your mindfulness practice. I mean, so what you're seeing is that you're part of a, a bigger thing, which is powerful, but it also brings you to a place where you realize your problems are really small when you think about them. And probably 90% of the time, the things that you're worried about, if not more, are never going to happen anyway. Right. Yeah, no, that's absolutely true. And honestly, you touched on it there. Um a little bit. Uh, death is a huge driver for me. And it's kind of something that's uncomfortable for people to talk about. Um, and we are actually still trying to figure out as a brand how to talk about death without being super negative and pessimistic. Because to me, it's not. The fact that I'm going to die in my own mortality actually helps me to live better. It helps me to appreciate the moments that I'm in and you know the people that I'm with and what I'm doing now in a way that that I think some people don't because they don't really like to think about the fact that they're going to die. Um, and to me, it just makes everything so much easier. If you, if you just look at any problem you have and just think about how you're going to die, typically the answer jumps right out at you. What do you want to do about this? You know, you're, you have, who knows how many days you have left. You know, there's always the, the truck that could hit you on the way out of the parking lot. You know, 
how, how are you living? Are you living the way that you want to be living if you knew that your time was finite? Because it is. Yeah. So that's, that gets to the point, and really, Brother uh, David Rast, uh, Rast is the, from uh, gratefulness.org, is the one who came up with the idea, live it like your first day and your last day, um, because you never know when that last day is. So Ryan, I, I think what I'm hearing you say too, is that we only have that finite time, and you don't want to be looking in the rearview mirror at the end of it saying, I worried so much about so many things that stopped me from doing so many things, and then at that last moment, you look back and say, my life didn't have the meaning it should have had. What do you think about that? Right. So, I mean, yeah, there's, there's actually a famous, I'm not sure if it's a paper. I think it, it's, a, it's an article or um, a paper that turned into a book, but it's basically the five regrets of the dying. Um, and this, this woman interviewed uh, a, a lot of people who were on their deathbeds and just asked them, what, what do you regret? And a lot, it's just really powerful stuff. Um, you know, spending more time with family, things like that, like things that you might expect, but that they just never really had the courage to do. Um, and, and actually, you know, it's kind of unique and we're not, we haven't really told anyone about this, but we're, we're going to be dropping a few new products and a series of products based on the five regrets of the dying um, oh. coming up here in the near future. So there should be some, uh, some cool stuff to check out um, in that regard. But yeah, that's, uh, that's how I think about that. Yeah, Dave, he's, he's like taking taking his philosophies and turning them into products. It's pretty amazing. What do you That's got? good. Um, pivots, right? <laughs> I mean, I think everybody could relate to the word pivot. And, and we can certainly at the Bianchi Law Group. Um, from COVID uh, last March, um, when the courthouse is shut down, the Bianchi Law Group had to pivot. Things change. And I would imagine that you've had some pivots as well. Can we talk about that? Is there a specific one that comes to mind that you could think where it didn't go as planned? But, you know, had to make some changes to adapt. Sure. Yeah, there's, there's probably been a million of them. Um, none that really jump out as being super important to the business, but tons of little ones for sure. Um, you know, some like just advertising, the, the state of advertising has changed so much um, since we've been, you know, in business and since I've been thinking about this idea. Um, you know, for example, back in, in 2016, 2014 through, through 2018, really, you could you could make a killing with um, with digital ads on Google and and Facebook, and then things started to change. The algorithms started to change, and it became not such a profitable uh, way to grow your business. Um, and a lot of people kind of got stuck in that, where they were you know spending too much money to acquire customers on Facebook and, and Google, and it just it was a huge problem for a lot of brands, and a lot of brands went under because of it. Um, and that's kind of one of the things that we did. We just kind of said, all right, we're going to pull back on some of this stuff that's, that we're not really sure of what's happening with it. We don't know where it's going. We don't know what the current landscape is exactly. Um, and so we started moving into other, you know, more traditional marketing avenues um, and, and exploring new avenues that kind of hadn't been established yet, like that Facebook in 2014, 2018. Yeah, good, good point, marketing. When we talk about marketing, um, businesses like yourself and ours can't just have one specific uh, way to market, um, right? I mean, you're talking about digital ads, but there's other avenues. There's a referral business. There's all kinds of different ways to market a business. And I look at marketing as evolving every single day. You cannot just continue to do what has worked because if you do, things change, right? And especially like you're saying, digital advertising, when you're relying on either Google or Facebook, 
and it starts getting too expensive, algorithms change, you better be ready to think about something else, right, Rye? Yeah, well, wait, before you answer that, because I think that you're going to agree with that, we only got a really short period of time. I would have loved to have been here with you for a long time, but what's the number one thing that you can tell our audience, those who may be afraid to leave a job or those who are facing fear of their finances uh, so that that they could potentially become an entrepreneur? Like, what's the, the one life skill set that they need in order to make that courageous jump? I don't know that there's one life skill set you can have, but definitely one mindset that you can use is the time is going to pass anyways. So if you're not happy now and you're worried about where you, you know, where you're going to be in, in five or 10 years, the time is going to pass anyway. So you might as well take it betting on yourself, risking, you know, your, your future on something that you actually want to do and try to do. Dave, we have a, one more question. We have a 15 second answer. And then unfortunately we're, we're going to have to have you back when those products drop. For sure. Hey, tell our, tell our audience how to find you, Ryan. Where are the products? Give, give us some information about the business. Sure. Thanks. So it's um, timeslippers.com. And that's, that's our website. That's where we do most of our sales. Um, we may be coming into a few new stores uh, in the future, but we're also at timeslippers on Instagram, which is where we have our biggest following. And um, yeah, we'll be you know, dropping stuff on the website and on Instagram soon. We want to give a huge thank you to Ryan Doherty for taking the time and joining the podcast today. You've been listening to Nothing But The Truth Podcast with myself, Bob Bianchi, and my law partner, David Bruno. We are two former prosecutors and media personalities. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd really appreciate it if you could leave a review and share this podcast to anyone that would benefit from these stories of rising from adversity and thriving for ultimate success. For more information on this interview with Ryan Doherty, See the show notes of this episode in your podcast app or visit BianchiLawGroup.com and click on the media podcast tab for the full episode. At Bianchi Law Group, they will guide you through their free consultation, laying down the foundation for your criminal defense with the right legal advice and team. All of their lawyers are highly experienced former prosecutors. Therefore, you know you can face a criminal trial with a strong defense. Their firm continuously makes numerous appearances in revered publications and TV networks. Their extensive experience in criminal law makes them confident in the legal field, at the same time offering their three pillars of service, courage, compassion, and commitment to all of their clients. Without the right legal advice and help, you face a criminal trial that can result in dire consequences with hefty fines and a prison sentence. If you are in New Jersey and facing criminal charges, you need to contact the Bianchi Law Group LLC now, 862-210-8570 or BianchiLawGroup.com. Their team of criminal defense lawyers considers you as a whole person and tailors the best defense strategy and resolution for your situation and convene the strongest possible defense. Robert A. Bianchi Esquire and David J. Bruno Esquire are New Jersey Supreme Court Certified Criminal Trial Attorneys of Bianchi Law Group, LLC, handling criminal defense, domestic violence, and municipal court cases with a team of former prosecutors who fight the government when they charge their clients with crimes. 8 Campus Drive, Suite 105, Parsippany, New Jersey, 07054, 862-210-8570. The Bianchi Law Group LLC has prepared this concern for general information purposes. Nothing herein is intended to create an attorney-client relationship and shall not be construed as legal advice. The preceding program was paid for by Bianchi Law Group LLC.
The views and opinions expressed in this program do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of WMTR. As always, it is advisable to consult a professional before making a major decision.